Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Sunday, 4.30, right here. I want you to take out your phones right now, if you haven't registered yet, and go to famblitzcle.com and sign up. We have had a lot of people sign up already. Space is limited, so we want you to do it right now. Tick, tick, tick. We also have um, little postcards. This is a great event, not only to bring all of our worshipers at our, all our services together, but also to invite neighbors and friends. If it's for anybody, anywhere, and for the whole family, it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, they're going to make a big mess up here, which is going to really annoy our custodial staff, but um, it's really a high-energy Christian um, time to really build, to show how families are teams. It's for all ages, and uh, we're super excited about it, so we really want you to sign up, to register. We have a wonderful um, crowd to come for that. So um, fanblitz.com or fanblitzcle.com. And so I've been like blathering on a little bit. I'm also going to share, if you're on social media, you may have realized that Pastor Chip is now Dr. Chip. He successfully defended his thesis. And he does not want to be called doctor. So please, call him doctor. <laughs> I can say that I've been in ministry with that guy for 20 years now. Um, and it's a huge accomplishment. It's three years of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. But I'll tell you something, and he would say the same thing. It wouldn't have been possible without all of you to be part of this mission um, that we're on together, to be a healthy, multi-ethnic church, to widen the circle, connect diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. And so um, I would say that really all of you now can take the title doctor. So we're just a church of doctors, so just, hello, and I know we have a lot of doctors anyway, so if you already have a doctor of medicine or a PhD, now you're a doctor doctor. <laughs> so anyhow, but we're just really um, excited to continue on the mission, and it's, uh, again, without all of you, it would not be possible. But uh, Pastor Caleb warned me that if I stayed up here too long, I would have to team preach with him, and I am not prepared, so... Um, many of you know Pastor Caleb and his wife, Leilani, our connection pastors here at Garfield. They often bring um, a word after the, the sermon, but we're excited that Caleb is going to continue to us in our series on the power to change. I heard it at Heritage. It's a fantastic word. So let's go. Thank you so much. I mean, with the music on the video and Pastor Terry announcing me, well, sorry, Dr. Terry, um, I mean, it feels like this is a big, like, production, huge show or something, like I'm a rock star. You know, when I was a teenager, I played guitar and I wanted to be a rock star, 
thank God that I didn't go that direction, honestly. Um, but but I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, my name's Caleb, if you don't know me, along with my wife, Leilani. We have the awesome privilege of serving as connection pastors here at Garfield. And we've had just a wonderful privilege of connecting with so many of you already and getting to know you and joining in community together. If you're looking for ways to get connected here at Garfield, please talk to us. We want to make sure that you really feel truly a part of this community. And if you don't feel that at all, we want to make that happen. We want to work with you and show you opportunities for that to be the case. Um, If you're watching us online, we love you. Thanks for joining us. You're here in person today. We love you. Uh, So excited to just be back in Garfield uh, with you today. You guys know we're doing a series called The Power to Change, and the first week, Pastor Steve kicked us off, and he talked to us. Uh, His title was Sick of Being Stuck, and he really kind of showed us how, because we're made in the image of Christ, we have the ability to respond like Christ, which was so powerful. And then Pastor Chip, last week, followed that up and talked about holy habits, that there's small little changes we can make in our lives, little habits that have big impacts in, in our lives and in our community and our world. And today I'm going to kind of do holy habits part two, but I'm calling it holy huddle, okay? And I know I said holy huddle, you guys are already connecting the dots. So we're talking about community today, all right? I'm Connections Pastor, it's on brand, all right? right? (laughs) I wouldn't be surprising if I talk about community. But here at Transformation Church, we have a core. I did it twice. I did that in Heritage. I used to be a part of Transformation Church. So sometimes I get stuck. We have a core value of transformation here at Garfield Church. We also had that value at Transformation Church. So again, on brand. But uh, I just remembered my responsibility today. Y'all gave me the clicker. I'm deciding if I want to preach or play. There we go. Core value of transformation. And last week, Pastor Chip, um, he did this really cool thing. He said he had good news and bad news. And because he's kind of like a mentor and I'm learning from all the years of experience he has, I'm going to copy him. So today I have some good news and bad news. The bad news is we do not experience lasting change because we try to change on our own. We're trying to do it by ourselves. And we make little changes, temporary changes, and they don't last because it's a single effort. But the good news, Pastor Chip said, we have the ability to change, but we can exponentially change when we change with one another. I think there's so much possibility and potential and power in community. And today that's kind of what I want to talk about. Now, A handful of years ago, I think it was 2017, I joined a workout program at a gym called Carve. And before that, I had been, well, clearly you can see I'm I'm not working out now, okay? We'll just get that off table. I'm going to show you guys a picture. You won't recognize me. But at that time, I had been doing some working out on my own. And I, I knew some workouts. I was using them. And I was getting, you know, a little bit of progress. And there was an opportunity for me to join this five week program. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to pay for the program. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go every day and see what kind of results I can get. And what happened was really amazing for me at that time. Um, They gave me a coach. I had a workout plan with very specific, you know, workouts and exercises to follow. I had a nutrition plan 
and I had a community of other people who were working out with me, okay? And over the course of five weeks, with my coach who's right here, James, and these couple guys, there were a couple other guys too, they didn't make it to the end. Unfortunately, a few people bailed out. But we're the guys who kind of made it to the end, and I got a picture with them because it was such an impactful moment. I'm wearing the hat, by the way, the only guy with a hat on. Um, I look totally different there. But what was incredible is that for three days a week, we would get together and we would work out as a team with a coach. And they would show me how to do the movements so that while I'm working out, I wouldn't hurt myself. But I would actually get the benefit of the movements that we were doing and the exercises we were using. And then I had the personal responsibility to eat right, and two days a week, I worked out on my own. And then the amazing thing that came out of this group was not necessarily those things, it was these other guys I worked out with. I remember they told me when I first went, they're like, oh, you're not like in a habit of like working out, you're not gonna last. That's what they told me. They were like, you're not gonna last. I was like, bet. (laughs) You watch me, I will be here on, on the last day making it through the whole program. And I stayed with it. And because of these guys' encouragement, their challenge, their corrections, their, their spurring me on, I got so much out of those five weeks that I wasn't getting on my own. It was incredible. And I'm so grateful that like when I had a coach who showed me what to do, he might be working with someone else. These guys came along and helped. For example, if we were doing a bench press, you guys know what it, what it means to work out to fail, like to do a repetition to fail? It means you keep going until you can't do it anymore. And it does some really incredible work in your muscles. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, so I'm going to try to explain it to you guys. But it does something really incredible when you do that. Well, for me, I would go as far as I thought I could do, and I would stop. And I would be like, yeah, I did enough. And these guys would say, no, 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 no. You got one more in you. Come on, do one more. And I would push one more out. And they would be like, oh, you got another one in you. Come on, you could do it again. And I would push another one out. And then they would be like, no, 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 you could do it. And with everything I had, I would push, push, push. And they would barely lift on the weight so I could get that last one out. And they would help me get the last one. And they would push me to do more than I thought I could do on my own. And I got so much more results out of that. And there was an exponential effect when I combined my personal responsibility with the interpersonal accountability of that group. We have that same opportunity as believers Jesus didn't come and say, follow me, and good luck finding it out on your own. He said, follow me, and I'm with you. Follow me, and I'm building a church. We have the chance to be a part of his community. And today we looked at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and there's a couple of observations I want to make about it. The first one I want to point out is the word habit. It said that some people were in a habit of not meeting together. And I think it's fair for us to make the conclusion that what we are expected to do as believers is have a habit of meeting together, right? Second thing I want to point out is the words one another. It's repeated twice in this passage. And I want to give you guys a little tip from just my little bit of experience with the Bible. If something's repeated, it's very, very important. It's so important that it's repeated 59 times in the New Testament. There are 59 times that the Bible says to one another and gives us an instruction and a command to do that. 
you know, I'm gonna surprise you guys right now, huge surprise. You cannot do one another commands without other people. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew the math on that, <laughs> but you can't accomplish that by yourself. You wanna be faithful and obey Christ? These are 59 commands you can't obey on your own. On your own. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes in our Western you know, church society, and especially after the disruption of the last couple of years with us having to social distance and trying to be safe, we have gotten out of the pattern of what it looks like to be the church, to one another with each other. And so um, I think sometimes we think, you know what? God loves me. I love God. I don't need anything else, right? Has anybody felt that? I mean, I've been frustrated with church and with people where I was like, I'm good. I just need God. Well, guess what? I tried that for a little bit during the pandemic and it sucked. (laughs) Sorry if that offends you. It was awful. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I just, I went back to being like eight years old and said the wrong word. But there's an amazing scripture, or sorry, I want to say, why do we need the church? I want to talk about why. But Jesus was asked, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Master, tell us. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You have to love God with all of your being. Now, you're not expected to figure that out day one. You have a lifetime to grow into that, okay? That's discipleship. That's personal responsibility. That's the habits that we've been talking about. You want personal change. Yeah, of course we need to love God. But there is an equal and second component to that. Jesus said, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. That one is just as great as the first. And he even went as far to say that the entire law, every commandment, every instruction that's ever been given to you guys, hangs on those two commands. So if you're following Christ and you're obeying the commandments and and the laws of God, You're going to be loving God, and you're going to be loving your neighbor. It takes both of those to be a faithful Christian. In fact, um, John Wesley, who was the father of Methodism, had this to say. Solitary religion is not to be found there. Holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness, Faith working by love is the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of Christian perfection. Man, where would I be? How hopeless would I be if Jesus didn't work faith through love? If he didn't live it out, if he stayed in heaven and never came and did the work on the cross, where would I be? And I imagine there's someone that each and every one of us may know who doesn't know God. How lost, how hopeless are they unless we connect faith and work it through love? That's what God is calling us to do. The gospel is faith working through love. And you cannot be a Christian without being a part of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So if you truly love God, then you must love your brother and sister in Christ and your neighbor This requires you to be in relationships with the people God places alongside you in the church and the people of your neighborhood, city, and the world. You need community, what Wesley called society, for grace to nurture you into the persons God created you to be. 
Let me share a little fact with you guys. There is no example in the New Testament of a solitary Christian. And now go home, do some homework, see if that's true. Um, But no, you're not going to find an example of someone in the New Testament that was being a Christian on their own. They had community around them. So my first point today is if you want the power to change, you need to have community. It's not a revolutionary thought, but you need to have community, okay? Let me pose this question to you, though. Would it be enough for us to just be in the same room with each other? Because I can think of a lot of places where I'm in the same room with people. When I go to the grocery store, you know, when I go to the gym, at school I'm with people, at work I'm with people, sometimes even at church. I'm just in the same room as people. And I don't believe that that's really producing change in our lives, just being in the same room. You know, you could have the Cleveland Browns jersey on and be in the stadium with, yeah, right there. (laughs) And you could be in the stadium with thousands of people cheering and watching the game. But would anybody say that you're part of the team? Hmm? No, you're not a part of the team. You're not playing the the game. You're not scoring points. You're not assisting. You're just there spectating. (laughs) I must have missed something. (laughs) But you're there spectating. That's not what Christ has called us to do. He's called us to be a part of the team. The team that God has put together called his church. And there's plays that we have. And there's, you know, there's disciplines that we have. We get coaching. We get support. You're not going to find that as a Christian outside of the church. God has called us to just be present in community, hasn't called us to just be present in community, but to be an active participant. So how do we move past just checking the box of attendance? You know, that's not what we're doing. We're not just showing up and saying, hey, I'm here. Check the box next to my name. Glory to God, I'm going to heaven. No, 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 we're moving past that. I'm glad you're here, by the way, I'm glad you're here. But how do we move past attendance? Well, we already talked about 59 commands in the Bible that said one another. I want to show you what some of those plays look like. This is some of the plays. We're going to love one another, honor, accept, instruct, greet, serve one another. Ooh, that's a hard one. You know what's even harder? Forgive. You could sit at home and be bitter and try to create distance, but it's not the same as the work of forgiveness. And you can't do that without being close to people Consider one another, teach one another, admonish, encourage, build up. Another one that's hard, confess. How many of us practice confessing our sins to one another? I know I'm not doing that enough. Pray for one another, bear with each other, submit to one another, be patient with one another, be devoted, committed. We have a covenant with each other that shouldn't be easily broken. This is what it looks like for us to be a part of the team, the church, to participate. So my second point for you guys today, if you want the power to change, you need to participate in community. You need to get involved. And this is the thing, okay? What's going to ignite us and motivate us and move us into participation? I think it's the people who are influencing us. All of us have influences in our lives. And I want to take a pause for just a moment. And I want you to think about your own life. I want to think about who you are. Think about the decisions you've made, the choices you've made, where you are in your life now. If it helps, close your eyes. 
Who are the people that have been most influential in your life? Who taught you the values that you have? Who taught you the skills that you have? Who showed you, you know, the way to live life? Who instilled that into you? You didn't just make that up on your own. I know in America, we like to think we're self-made. I'm a self-made man. I got myself where I am today. You know, I pulled, I pulled myself up by my own bootstrings. Somebody made those boots and those strings. You didn't get there by yourself. If we took account of our lives, there have likely been good and bad influences in our lives. And I think some of us are feeling stuck because we're trying to do good, but we're being influenced by those who aren't. And we're allowing their influence to affect us. The reality is not all relationships have the same quality. Have you ever heard the old saying, you are the company you keep? Come on. You know, at my job, I work with uh, some, some people who are around 20 years old, and I'm, I'm in my mid-30s now. And I, I threw around the phrase, wet behind the ears. They thought I made something up. They did not know what it meant. I was like, this is common, very common language. They're like, it's not common anymore. I felt like I was speaking Chinese or something, like a totally different language. Even when I explained them, they're like, why? Why? But we, we all know old phrases like, you are the company you keep. Well, guess what? The Bible, oh, sorry, I'm missing my slides. The Bible has wisdom for us about that. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You are the company you keep. Have you ever heard the phrase guilty by association? <laughs> I've been there. Any of you? You guys have gotten in trouble before, right? Come on. I know. Y'all haven't been perfect your whole life. You guys have been in some trouble. Well, <laughs> I like the legal term. It says you're an, you're an accessory, an accessory to the crime. You know, you didn't plan it and maybe didn't know it was going to happen, but you, you ended up being there, right? You're an accessory. Well, I think what some of us would benefit from is being guilty of associating with, with the church. We should be guilty of associating with Jesus. We should be guilty of associating with other believers that when people watch us and they see us and they see how we behave and the way we speak, that they would say, yeah, these people are uncommon. That's what the, the Bible says about the New Testament believers. They recognize that these people have been with Jesus. And you're not gonna have the marks and the aroma and the evidence of being a Christian if you're not a part of his church, if you're a part of his body. So I'm gonna introduce to you guys what I'm gonna call the, the four quadrants of influence, okay? So we got a spectrum going up and down. You can have good habits, you can have bad habits. And then we've got a cross spectrum of good community and bad community, okay? I'm gonna start with the good one first because we like something sweet. Good habits plus good community is where you wanna be. The best way to be influenced to participate in the church is that you have good habits on your own, you take personal responsibility, you follow Christ, you're faithful, but also you're in a community of people that share those values and those practices, if you can align those two, that is the best place for you to be. But there's some other examples. You wanna be stuck in life like Pastor Steve talked about? 
have some good habits combined with bad community, you're going to feel like your wheels are just spinning. All right? Another one that's just as bad, bad habits plus good community. Although it's probably good to be surrounded by good people, right? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But we all have that uncle that shows up to family reunions and family dinner, and we were all having a lot of fun until they showed up and started making their jokes and behaving in ways that we don't really like, but we put up with them because they're family. That's what it's like to have bad habits and, and good community. But equally as effective as the first is if you have bad habits plus bad community. That's a combination that can get a lot of trouble done, right? We've all either been there or known people. They can't help themselves. They make poor decisions, but combine them with other people that make poor decisions and it gets worse. And the amount of trouble they can create grows exponentially. I love what I heard an old preacher say one time. He talked about how Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, you do, or why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? And he said, you know what we have? We have people who they do the things that Jesus commands, but they don't call him Lord. Those are moral people, okay? We, I don't believe in Christ, but I'm a good person. Then you have people that they, they do not call him Lord, nor do they do the things that he commands. I'm just an evil reprobate. I don't care about heaven or hell or what anyone else thinks. I'm gonna do whatever I want. You have those who, you know, who don't do the things that he commands, yet they call him Lord. That's really incongruent, by the way. You know, I believe in you, God, but I'm not gonna obey. <laughs> I love God, but I don't love his ways. And then there's those who love the Lord and they do the things he commands. That's who we wanna be as Christians. We want that combination. So my next point, if you want the power to change, you need the influence of community. You wanna have good habits, get a good community. You wanna be like Christ, get in Christ's community. Amen? Amen. So my question though is, what does good community look like? And I wanna introduce to you guys over the next couple of minutes this concept called the core four. And this is just to help you guys visualize and connect the dots. Who needs to be in the, in the community and what do those connections and relationships look like so you can experience the influence that's needed. Now, again, this is not made up by some sociologist or psychologist or anybody who's a doctor. Dr. Chip. Uh, sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I just, I kinda, I'm just illustrating this so you guys can see what it looks like. I, I really appreciate people who are way smarter than me, but this is not from anybody who's impressive. It's just me. But the core four, in the middle of your core, you need models. You need somebody that inspires you that you want your life to look like. That could be somebody who lived in history, who doesn't exist anymore, who passed on, but the way they lived their lives and what they represented, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I want my life to look like his life. I wanna have the impact that he had. That's a model. For us as Christians, it's obvious. Christ is our model and our example. We are being formed and shaped into the image of Christ. That is our model. The second layer of the core four is mentors. These are people who are flesh and blood involved in your life. They have wisdom and experience ahead of yours, and they're sharing it with you. They might be coaching you. They might be mentoring you. They might be correcting you. They might be disciplining you. They might be guiding you. But that is their role in your life. 
In the Bible, they called this fathers and mothers in the faith. Timothy had a father in the faith who was Paul. And Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is the example. So we have this example in Timothy's life. What's the next layer? Your peers. Who is it that you run with in life? Your closest friends, your inner circle, your partners, your companions. It could be your spouse. It could be your best friends. Who, maybe even coworkers you have you're that close to. But who has direct influence in your day-to-day life? I love this phrase in the Bible, iron sharpens iron. That's what a peer relationship looks like. They rub a little bit off on you, you rub a little bit off on them. And you guys are shaped and formed a little bit by each other. You have influence together. But as that group grows, the individual influence shrinks. So as you add more people into your close circle, you have less and less influence over that whole group. Does that make sense? But you need peers in your life that run with you. And then the last layer of the core four is pupils. Now, we've been talking about who's influencing your life, who's invested into you, who made you who you are today, how you wouldn't be anything without them. Those people are incredible, and we have to have that. But there's some of us who have been Christians for a while. I know for me, I've been in church since the day I was born, 34 years. I'm not a perfect Christian by far. But some of us have some experience and wisdom, learned experience that we can share with others. And whether you like it or not, there's someone watching your life right now. They're watching the way you behave. They're watching the words you use. They're listening to them. They're watching the way you interact, the way you respond, the choices you make in your life. They see them and they're learning from you. Pupils are always there, but you can be intentional about it. And I I want you to think about who do you see in our church, in your in your connections, in your circles, that you could be intentional about maybe mentoring and having influence in their lives. We have to have all four of these layers of influence in our lives. This, This, I believe, represents a holy huddle. And if you take this and combine it with, a, with the first diagram, clearly what you want is you wanna have models, mentors, peers and pupils that align with your habits. You wanna have good habits and good community and a huddle around you of people who influence you, who teach you, who guide you, who disciple you, who run with you, and people that you're sharing that wisdom with as you follow Christ. So now I think for some of us, we may have components of this. You know, maybe you truly do want Christ to be your model and you believe that, but the peers you're running with fall in a different category. Maybe your close friends fall in a completely different category. Maybe it's different. Maybe you do have good friends who want to be just like Christ, but your models, the people you want to be just like, they don't represent the values that Christ has for us. Maybe they're in a different place on this spectrum. So I just want to encourage you guys. We want our huddle to have the same values and and good community, good habits with us. Now, you guys might be wondering, like, how can that be possible? How can I make sure that I connect the dots? And Dr. Terry, Pastor Terry, she told me, you know, make sure you point out a step of action. You know, my wife and I were connections pastors here. We are working at how we can make connection 
effective here at the church. We have wonderful groups. We have wonderful um, classes. We have amazing ways to volunteer. We serve our community in incredible ways. We want to make sure you're connected in a holy huddle. If you don't feel like you have these components, let us help. Talk to us. Connect with us. We will be at the connect table after service. But as I close, I want to tell you guys about something pretty cool. You might not know, but I work at uh, Lego. And it's, it's a fun hobby for me. The Lego brick has been around for 60 years. And one single Lego brick, it started as a two-by-four Lego brick. It was made by engineers. They were meticulous about the design and the shape, the mathematics that went into it, so that it would be a part of an interlocking system. It was engineered and designed to be a part of a system to connect with other bricks. If you have one brick by itself, it's just one brick, right? That's obvious. It doesn't do much on its own. It's just one. But as soon as you combine it with a second Lego brick, there's 24 combinations that you can make. This is not math. You're not just adding one plus one equals two. It's not multiplication either. This is exponential growth. When you add a third one, now you've got 1,560 combinations that are possible. And you go all the way down to six bricks, over 915 million combinations can be made with six Lego bricks. Man, that makes me wonder when individuals come together and their collective efforts can produce outcomes that exceed the sum of their individual contributions. You could do so much on your own, you really can. But what if you were to combine that ability with someone else's ability and you add another one and another one and another one? What could God do with a small group of people who were committed to be like Christ, who mentored and encouraged and challenged and taught and instructed and corrected and forgave each other? What would the world look like if we had a group of people like that? So my, my fourth point, if you want the power to change, you need the power of community. Yes, have good habits. Be a disciple of Christ. Be committed and faithful to follow him. Let that be a part of your individual life, but combine it with the other half of our faith, a community that shares our values and our pursuits. If you want the power to change your life, you need a holy huddle. If you want the power to change your community, you need a holy huddle. If you want the power to change your city, your country, or maybe even the world, you need a holy huddle. And it's always amazes me in the Bible where it said that the early church turned the world upside down. They were such a community that was so tight-knit and aligned that they disrupted the norms of their world. Can we be a church like that that brings change, not only to our own lives and to the people closest to us, but to the world, maybe our community? I believe so. But we can do that only through a holy huddle. Amen? God, thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. We wouldn't be who we are today unless we had your example and we had the work that you did on the cross. God, you freed us, you saved us, you delivered us, and you reconciled us with God. Now we're asking that you would reconcile us with each other. 
where we've been distant and apart, bring us together. Where we've been bitter and unforgiving, God, heal us. Lord, I pray that for some of us who are seasoned followers of Christ, that you would open our eyes to see people that need our influence, people that are hungry and thirsty and desperate for a mentor. God, I pray that you would help us see that the influences in our lives, are they good, are they bad? Are they helping us to follow you or are they pulling us away? Maybe where we've been feeling stuck and where we've been struggling is because we've had a community that's incongruent with our faith. God, bring us together. And I pray that ultimately here at Garfield Church, as we seek to grow and transform in community, that the effects of that would reach out into the community and the city around us, that people would experience the healing, the power, the transformation that only comes through you. In Jesus' name, amen.